football, baseball, basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. And welcome into the school board, WEGL 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming live on WEGLF.com. We welcome you to the school board, Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman. Thursday afternoon, 4 o'clock here in the Weagle Studios. If you want to call and be a part of any of the conversations today, feel more than welcome at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Jacob, how are you? I'm great today. It's it's not as cold as it has been. Back to the weather thing. Uh, it's It's warming up, and you know what? It's starting to feel like baseball weather that early season baseball weather that we usually get of course Auburn baseball announcing as well as softball the guidelines for this season 20 percent capacity first come first serve for students but I'm ready for baseball season in a few weeks we will be talking about baseball in a few weeks but as for now especially today real quick shout out before we get started listening in as always is the voice of the Helena Huskies uh, Mr. Keith Marks my dad today is his birthday so happy birthday dad quick birthday shout out for him and all he does for me and the fam um, so called him earlier today, was at work, as always grinding away. So scoreboard wishes him a happy birthday. So happy birthday, dad. So let's go ahead and get into it today. A lot to talk about on today's show. As you may know, it is Super Bowl weekend here. First weekend of February. We are going to go ahead and get talking about that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will play in their home stadium. I think they're the first team ever to do that against the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, one of the young gunslinging quarterbacks that we have seen lately in the NFL, um, I think we are set up for a really great matchup. You know, last year's Super Bowl included the Chiefs. They came away victorious as well as Mahomes winning the MVP. And that was a great game. And the Chiefs had to even battle back into that game. San Francisco kind of lost grip. I think this year it'll be a battle for all uh, all 60 minutes of the game. Yeah, definitely. I think that this, both of these teams, I, I think the, you know, the Buccaneers at the beginning of the year, you thought this is not the Bucs team that you would expect. You thought Tom Brady would come in and really – take control of the NFC South, and he really didn't until later in the season. And, of course, the Saints fell off a bit because of the injuries to Drew Brees and a whole array of things. Whereas the Bucks, they found their groove at the right time, and now they're in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, you know, and I like that point you make, was at the beginning of the season, they really didn't hit stride. Uh, Bruce Arians, head coach of the Bucks, where everybody thought that he was a piece of that formula with Tom Brady and Gronk coming back and Mike Evans and this young young, tough defense that they would make a go-ahead and run for the Super Bowl. Started off the season sloppy, but, I mean, here they are after, you know, playing first weekend of the playoffs. I mean, they're here. They they take care of business in Green Bay, one of the toughest places to play in the NFL, and now they're going back to the Sunshine State. And, I mean, they do have their hands full with Patrick Mahomes, who I was mentioning earlier. He has 38 touchdowns on the year with only six picks. Yeah, I think that Patrick Mahomes is really turning into – I mean, it, it's crazy to talk about a guy that's only 25 as one of the best ever, but – that's what it's going to end up being. And that's why this game is also turning into the passing of the torch from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes, whether whatever the result is. And whether Tom Brady comes back next season or not, this is kind of that matchup, old versus new. We saw that in the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship. AFC was two young guys that are really showing out. And the NFC Championship was two older guys that are legends and will be in the Hall of Fame one day. This is kind of another one of those games where we're going to see Tom Brady – and Patrick Mahomes go at it. They're totally different players, 
but that's just it shows what the NFL used to be about 15 years ago and what it is now with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, all these dynamic quarterbacks. And you mentioned the thing about the passing of the torch, and have you seen that picture on Twitter where it's uh, Super? Isn't it Super Bowl Fifty Five? Mm-hmm. It says uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five in one picture, and all it is is a picture of a baby goat, like a literal goat, and then a picture of a very old goat <laughs> standing next to it. I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, and that's what like the comparison that we made on the show that um, Patrick Mahomes has a high chance of becoming the new Brady. I mean, it might happen. I hope not, because a lot of people don't like Brady. I, I really like Mahomes, but um, regardless, so keys to this game. I'll let you kick it off. I really think that it's about the the Chiefs' offense, their playmakers. Tyreek Hills, Travis Kelsey, you contain them if you're the Bucks. That Auburn defensive backfield with Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, they, they started off the year really well, and they kind of did the opposite of the rest of the team, and they, they've kind of fallen back to I would say they're pretty good this year, but they were not. They have not been as good as they were at the beginning of the season. But if they can somewhat slow down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, which – they did not do in the first matchup back in, I don't know what week it was, but earlier in the season when Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first quarter and almost broke the single-game record for the NFL. If you contain them, you're going to have a good chance to win. That doesn't mean it's going to make it easy to win because you still have Miko Hardman to deal with, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. This Kansas City offense is one of the best ever. Yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. So I was just say that you – you're going to have to slow down their best players to have a chance. No, yeah, and that's really what it comes down to, and especially in my eyes, here lately in the playoffs, we've seen Tampa Bay not only continue to be consistent on offense with Tom Brady as we expect them to be, but their defense has been suffocating offenses like we haven't seen. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for a few possessions in the NFC Championship game just looked lost. I mean, and especially when Green Bay played in Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's defense just absolutely shut Aaron Rodgers and company down. So for me, it really comes down to we know Tom Brady is going to find the end zone. We know the Bucks' offense is going to consistently find the end zone and put anywhere between 25 to 40 points up because the Chiefs' defense isn't terrible, but also it's been known to let them down from time to time. The key for me is whether Patrick Mahomes, without his starting left tackle, Eric Fisher, I believe, I believe Eric Fisher's out for the game, if they are going to be able to power through that constricting Tampa Bay defense that we've seen time and time again from guys like the Auburn defensive backfield, like Devin White from LSU. I mean, that defense has just been playing tough and aggressive here of late. They have, and they just they just fly around the ball. They swarm it. I mean, I love the way that defense plays. It's just going to be so difficult for them to stop Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I think they have a good chance to win the MVP. Somebody even said uh, Le'Veon Bell had a chance to win the MVP. I think so. He could be one of those guys that scores like three touchdowns out of nowhere. A sleeper MVP. That you just, I mean, he might have two one-yard touchdowns and then another breakout 30-yard run. And the stats will. The stats will do it for him. He hasn't been used as much lately that it gives me confidence in saying that. But I can definitely see him coming out of nowhere and being an eight very impactful player in this game yeah I, I agree I feel like his performance would have to be more of a second half performance but Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football right now and I mean you also have one of the best tight ends that has played football in Gronk on the other side of the ball who obviously has not been utilized as much as he was in New England but he could even have a breakout game you know and I mean Tampa Bay's offense they got Leonard Fournette they got Mike Evans they got all these different weapons as well We're, we are set up just for a, a very electric Super Bowl, and it sucks that there's not going to be a lot of people there in person. I know they're doing a limited capacity, and uh, 
They're giving out a bunch of healthcare workers tickets to the game, which is very awesome of them. I mean, yeah, of course, it has to be the year that we actually have a home Super Bowl that this there COVID. really is no home yeah. field advantage. So, yeah, it is unfortunate that we can't see a true home field advantage with the Super Bowl. Which you would think there'd be a rule that in the case of a team playing in their home stadium, the site would be switched to a neutral site. You know what it's all about? It's all about the money. Ching, ching. It's all about the money. Well, and thinking about it now, you know what I wish we would have incorporated into today's show? Do you remember how last year we talked about prop bets? I'm kind of looking at those right now. Can you now. pull some up and let's discuss yeah. those before we give <laughs> predictions? I'm kind of looking at those. Uh, this is a So let's see. There's one. The best exotic game props. All right. What color liquid will be poured on the game-winning coach? So, yeah, orange, red, lime, green, yellow. Those are all together. Clear slash water. Blue or purple? See, somebody said that red had been used in like nine or ten years or something, and they were like, if you want to make some money, bet on red. And I'm going to go ahead and give a like an inside of my pick. I'm picking the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs used orange Gatorade in the, in the, or in the AFC Championship. So I'm if I was betting, I'd bet on orange. Red has the second best favorites behind orange. Orange is plus 150. Red is plus 165. Everything else is kind of way down there. Clear is probably your... Not a favorite option. It actually the purple is the is we plus fifteen hundred. Hmm. Blue is plus eight hundred behind clear and water. That shocks me. Yeah. Blue is very popular. Will a fan run onto the field during the game? No, limited capacity. Hey, that's. I mean, I think well, that, also that gives you more space to limited move security on the field. Maybe probably. I actually doubt that. Yeah, but there, there might be more security because <laughs> of that. No. Who will the Super Bowl fifty five MVP mention first in his speech? Teammates, God, family or family members, city, coach owner or does not mention any of the above now this is kind of goes dependent on who, who wins the mvp who wins the mvp the easiest pick is to say mahomes or brady exactly um, i think mahomes would pick would say god first. i think god and then or teammates i think tom brady would say his teammates first. i think yes if it's yeah i completely agree let's see and <laughs> will any player propose to his girlfriend on the field after the game mm. i don't think that is going to be able to happen this year yeah so that's maybe in the locker room or after the game i don't know what will happen to the price of Bitcoin during the Super Bowl? <laughs> Plummet. Price of Bitcoin goes down is plus 110. So you're going with the, you're fading. Yeah. Will any player be ejected for throwing a punch or fighting? No. I don't. When was the last time we've had a Super Bowl fight? It hasn't been recently. Nothing major. No. Maybe on like penalty, but no, I don't think anybody gets thrown out. Well, this this one might. No Cody Parkey, but will either kicker hit the upright <laughs> or crossbar on a missed field goal or extra point attempt? Um, ooh, that's interesting because Tampa Bay did miss a kick in the NFC, NFC Championship, if I remember correctly. But it's in Tampa Bay. It is outside. Hmm. I'll go with no. I'm going to say no, too. I think that, I mean, I could see it, though. See, it feels like it feels like that that Bills game a few weeks ago against the Ravens when the wind was crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the it's not, it might be, I haven't looked at the, let's, let's look at the weather for the game. Like I feel like because the week this week has not been that typical Florida weather. It's all been we've had a cold front moving in. So seventy three degrees and a chance of rain. Hmm. So who knows? You never know what the wind's going to do with that. But I, I could see it happening. Now if it happens at the end of the game, good lord, just yeah. let everything fly. But another one: what position will win the MVP? Quarterback. Quarterback is minus five hundred. <laughs> Wide receivers plus five fifty and. You know, it's kind of crazy. Is wide receiver at better odds than a running back? Guess what else is better than running back? Tight end. Is oh, really? Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, Kelsey, yeah. It's not by much. No. Plus 950 for tight end, plus 1,000 for running back. Any defensive position is plus 750. And then you could also bet on the kicker if you wanted to, plus 5,500. <laughs> so, 
maybe if Daniel Carlson goes out and scores 18 points by himself. It's almost it, like he's done that before. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> let's see. Let's look. What players will pour the liquid on the winning coach? Defensive, offensive, or both? Uh, one defensive, one offensive. Yeah, that's what I would think too. But the defensive lineman is on the right side of the Gatorade can. All right. Heads or tails? Heads. I'm going to go with tails. See, we've been playing NCAA a lot lately, and we we'll always say tails never fails, and every time we say that, it's heads, so I'm going to pick heads. The I think I saw the – tails has been won like five years in a row. Really? And I think this streak will continue. Nah, it ends this year. And also, the last like 15 Super Bowls, I think the winner of the coin toss is 5-10. and 10. Is the prop bet of the national anthem on there? Because I saw it on TikTok the other day. Let's look. It's, it's a minute 59 seconds. Oh, here's an under. interesting one. The first, the first female official in the Super Bowl – there's a prop, but how will Sarah Thomas wear her hair down in a ponytail or up in her hat? <laughs> I guess up in her hat. I, I honestly have no idea how she would wear her hair. See, down in the ponytail is minus 500. I think that's how she usually wears it. So okay, they're, well then, they're, they're using stats. See, I, yeah, I, not something I pay attention to, honestly. What will Andy Reid's mask design be? Have you seen the one where like curls up on his cheeks? Yes. And it's like the the slit right over his nose and mouth. That's what he's gonna go with. So there's Chiefs branded slash logo, single color slash no logo, Hawaiian themed. It can't be Hawaiian themed. Nah, I don't think so either. And then let's see if there's anything good. Oh, what will be the primary color of Bruce Arians' flat cap? Red, white, gray, or black? Red. I think so too. Yeah. Um I forgot who's singing the national anthem, but there's a prop bet if it's over under a minute 59, and I bet the under, I would. I think I, it's like Eric Church and somebody. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Who that is. Eric Church is a country music singer. And then there's broadcast. How many times will Roger Goodell be shown? One and a half over under. Under. Just once. Just once in the state. Well, is this including post game? Ooh, that's a good question. If it's during know. the broadcast, I'd say one because, like, here's Commissioner Goodell. But if it's the entire game, then take the over because they're going to show him during the trophy celebration. I'll say over because I think this game's going to be super close. So I think they'll show them early in the game. Just say, this is Roger Goodell. And then I think at the end of the game, there will be some kind of crazy play, and they'll show his reaction to it. That's my prediction. Okay, real quick, because we have to go to break here in a few seconds. What's your prediction? I'm going to pick Chiefs 27-24. Okay. I'll pick Chiefs, and I think it's going to be a little bit more high scoring than I. I say the Chiefs win it 35 to 31 in Tampa Bay Sunday afternoon, Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 55. Don't miss it. Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs and Tampa Bay Bucks. Don't miss the scoreboard on the other side of this break. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live WEGL. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into the scoreboard here on Weagle 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. I am Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Babe Marks. And we just made our Super Bowl predictions and the Susat game made some prop bets. Some of these are crazy. I mean, how many times will home field advantage be said, which we did say that. How many times will Queen Latifah be said by Jim Nance? That's how many times will I don't know Jim be said? Oh, I don't know, Jim. Oh, I don't know, Jim. <laughs> well, we're moving on from the Super Bowl to Auburn basketball after a, a, a pretty bad loss to the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia this year has not been a very good basketball team, and Auburn falls to them after a few weeks ago, beating them by a lot. This game was not really what I expected going into it. 
I thought Auburn would win pretty handedly. But they lost by five. Leading scorer was Jalen Williams, a very quiet 21 points, five rebounds, and three blocks. And then you look elsewhere, you can't, you're, it's going to be tough to win when Flanagan's only scoring 12. And that's saying something this year. Flanagan's been so good this year that you need him scoring more than 12. And of course, JT Thor only had four points. So only, was it 17 points off the bench? Devin Cambridge with 12 of them. That's another issue. There's a lot to take away from this game against Georgia. See, and the vibe that it gives off is nearly that it was a completely different team on the floor. Watching the game from the get-go, Georgia, even both teams, Georgia looked like a completely different team from when Auburn faced them in Athens the first time. Auburn looked like a completely different team. I mean, when Auburn played in Athens, it was right after the Alabama game, and Shreve Cooper looked more comfortable than ever. In this game, Shreve Cooper didn't look comfortable at all. Shreve ended up with 19 points in this game. He had five fouls, so he fouled out. He also had four turnovers, but that makes up with the nine assists. Um, and he also went 80% from the free throw line. So, And it's tough, too, when you have JT Thor, who's been on such a tear lately, who plays 25 minutes and only puts four points in the basket, like you said, Jacob, and then you play 10 guys and three of them don't even score. Combining that with the fact that Georgia had six men in double digits, it's not a recipe for a dub. Um and I think this was kind of – it wasn't a measuring stick, but I think this was a step back for Auburn to look into the mirror. It was absolutely a step back. And it's not something that you can overreact to. You still have almost a full month of basketball to play. So you kind of – you need to bounce back, especially with Ole Miss coming to town this Saturday. And we know what happened the last time Auburn played Ole Miss. That was, of course, without Sharif Cooper. That's when Leor Berman was getting valuable playing time. Because Justin Powell was still out as he still is. Yeah, and – Hopefully, he can just get healthy. I, th- I feel at like this, at this point, he's never going to come back. At this point, I don't even care about basketball. I just hope he's okay. Yeah. But he might come back at some point. He did yeah. camp, apparently, according to Bruce Pearl, the end of or earlier this week, he's starting to see his teammates a little bit. So we'll see what that means in the coming weeks. No, but yeah, back to like what you were saying when Auburn went to Oxford for the first time this year, they lost by 11, 72 61. Um, not the same result as Auburn's game in Oxford last year with that miraculous comeback. But Ole Miss really kind of controlled the tempo of this game earlier in the year as well. They had a lot of bench productions. Uh, bench production, Auburn really didn't. Uh, Jalen Williams was the star of that game. He dropped 24 points, only nine points off the bench from Auburn for Chris Moore and Dylan Cardwell. Um, this is going to be another tough task for Auburn. Ole Miss is always a tough team. We've seen it year in, year out in Auburn Arena. And not having the jungle has really hurt Auburn. I feel like if Auburn had the jungle, Auburn beats Bama. Auburn beats Georgia, and Auburn has a really dang good chance of beating Arkansas. Well, yeah, here's the thing. You don't really, with the student section, with the jungle, you expect Auburn to win every game. I mean, they were on a crazy winning streak until they lost to Texas A&M last year, and that was that was a that was a weird game. And I mean, there was there was ejections. The there were it, it was all notes. over the place. I mean, of course, Auburn bounced back and beat Tennessee on the road, but this year you don't have that, and. We could get into all of that, but we're not going to. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's it's all about the home court advantage. I think – I wish I had this in front of me, but I know for a fact road teams are a ton better this season than they are in previous seasons. And most of that has to do with COVID, but I think a lot of that also has to do with the parity of the SEC. The yeah. SEC is – the only team that's that I would say is good is Alabama. Everybody else is beating up on each other. Would be bad. I don't know. Yeah, because LSU was supposedly one of the top three teams in the league, and they get bounced by Bama twice. Um, Tennessee's an inconsistent top twenty-five team, and now Alabama's being projected as a one seed. Missouri is 
almost in the good category for me with Alabama. Almost. And I think but, I think Alabama might be great. And that's something we're going to get into later in the show today is SEC basketball in general. But um, I think that back to the original point of Auburn is right now they're in 12th place in the SEC. Of course, you know the only the only goal this year was to win the regular season championship. That's not going to happen. Alabama's 10 and 0 in conference play. Auburn's four and six. You want to finish the season strong though, because every single one of these guys can come back this year. That doesn't mean they will. Sharif Cooper might not. He might go to the draft. There might be some transfers with some of the recruits coming in. But I would say all but two guys come back this year. I think you're going to have one transfer, and Sharif Cooper's going to go to the draft. See, you got to stop saying that. I am. I mean, you're going to maybe. I'm going to turn off your mic if you say that. Let's see. Sharif Cooper in this Georgia game, in this loss, had 19 19 points, points, nine assists, and and only four turnovers. I'm going to. Two steals. I'm going to say this. I think it's more than just the NBA for Sharif right now. Point being, Sharif really does seem to enjoy, A, playing at Auburn. He does. But, B, I think he's also jealous that he's being robbed of that March Madness experience and experiencing the jungle. I mean, he went to several home games last year where he sat right behind Auburn's bench and watched his best friend Isaac Okoro go out there, throw a dunk down, and hear over 9,000 people in a small compacted area scream at the top of their lungs. He wants to experience that. He wants to play with his high school teammates like Devin Cambridge, Babatunde Akingbowl, and uh, Cardwell. I think he. I think it's more than just one and done him, especially after not playing the first 11 games this year and losses like this and knowing that they don't have a postseason. Because Auburn doesn't give up. Auburn's playing like they have a postseason to play for. And knowing what's coming in next year, that's why I hold out hope for him coming back. Um so you better stop saying that he's leaving because I'm going to turn your I mean, mic I'm off. I'm going to keep saying it because let's look at the Baylor game as well. Uh, there goes your mic. Your mic's off. Here's the thing. Sharif Cooper, I think, we said the same thing about Isaac Okoro last year. That's the issue. We kind of knew Isaac was – we kind of knew, though, and from think, the get-go. Yeah, I think you kind of know Sharif is going to go, too. You I will just say don't want to admit it. I will say this. I think we knew before Isaac even put on the Auburn uniform, I think we knew more about him leaving for the draft before he even played than we did Sharif. Well, that's just because he's say such that. a playmaker and he such is. an impact. And Sharif Cooper is kind of the same way, but in a different way. Of course, I mean, here's the thing. Against Baylor, he had 15 points, five assists, and seven rebounds. And that was his worst game of the year. I mean, That's impressive. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Hey, and when you're dishing out 12 assists like you do in the South Carolina game, it's hard to argue that he's not going to go top 10. Exactly. It's like that graphic they showed before the game that he was like the ninth prospect in ESPN's NBA rankings. Yep. And if you're the ninth prospect, you better go pro. Here's the way I look at it. Bruce Pearl's going to tell him, too. Here's the way I look at it. Here's the thing. That's that's my biggest thing. Bruce Pearl, if he's top 10, he's a guy. Well, Bruce is going to tell everybody that because that's the only way you build your program to continue to get one and done's in. I don't think Which I don't blame him because I think if he's outside the top 20, I don't think he tells him to go. This is what I think. Saturday is the beginning of a remaining season evaluation by Sharif Cooper. Not only individually, but I feel like if Auburn finishes the rest of the season 500 or below, Sharif comes back. I think Sharif can still put up 20, 20 points, 10 assists a game, and Auburn still go five or 500 and below, and I think that's enough to sell him to come back to Auburn for at least one more year. Now, we're not begging the dude to stay for four years, but everybody knows what we have coming in. But to the point you make, that leads to who's the one or two transfers you see transferring out. 
yeah, of Auburn's I, lineup. I have no idea. Yeah. But I think someone will leave. Because oh, no, of, I completely Because agree. of what's coming yeah. in, someone's going to be like, I'm not going to get and as many And it stinks because they like being here. Exactly. They have that chemistry. They love being with I each mean, other. I mean, every single scholarship player is getting minutes. Oh, and yeah. And they are contributing. They're Chris rotating Moore, 10. Javon Franklin, Babatunde Akingbola. They're all contributing. They're not getting a ton of minutes. Let's see, in the last game, Franklin only got three minutes. Moore got 14 because he's been really good offensively. Should have been another three. Akinbola only got eight minutes. Akinbola, he played eight minutes against it was his last midweek game, and he had five blocks. I think it was against Missouri. He had eight minutes and five blocks. Chris Moore, he, that was a game he scored 11. Javon Franklin, he had the three-pointers against Arkansas. He scored against Missouri. That's the thing. They're all contributing, so I, I have no idea who could possibly leave. And we're, all, we're also not going to sit here and act like we didn't know we weren't possibly going to have a season like this. True. We knew this is the youngest team Bruce Pearl has inherited at Auburn. <laughs> I mean, think about how everything changed the week before the season started. I, I remember sitting in the new business building on campus with Jordan, and we were studying, and I was doing homework, and I looked down at my phone, and I see where, uh, I believe it was Justin Ferguson uh, from the Auburn Observer said something like, Breaking Auburn announces postseason uh, ban, self-imposed ban. And that's before we even knew Sharif, before we knew knew I think it was literally the day after, too, Sharif was like, they were like, Sharif Cooper might not be eligible to play this season. Like, just, you're right. Frustrating. Going into the season, it was, you had a a high outlook, you were thinking, oh man, this team could be something special. Yeah, now Sharif does play from the start of the season and he faces a number one Gonzaga team. Auburn continues to improve. Auburn's top five team in the SEC right now. Yep. Because of that, I think Auburn understands, and especially without Justin Powell and Turbo transferring. Well, I think just that whole first part of the SEC slate with Arkansas. It was a very brutal SEC slate. It was very brutal. It was Bama and Kentucky too. Very brutal. And I think that without, without Cooper and then Powell goes down and you're left with one point guard who really isn't a point guard, Alan Flanagan, that's kind of where it's like, all right, it kind of gets to the point where you hold we, your breath till the ball gets to the arc. We are in a difficult position. Let's yeah. just play our hearts out. It doesn't matter what happens. Well, so. before the break, because we have a minute, what do you see happening Saturday in Auburn Arena? I think Auburn gets revenge. I think they beat this Ole Miss team. They're coming off a big win against Tennessee. I think they're going to start off slow because they're so they're so hyped up, and they're playing against a team they're confident against. I think that Auburn will actually, for once, get off to a fast start. And I think that'll be the difference because the, the, Ole Miss is going to be amped up. I think Ole Miss has somewhat regressed since the since mid January. Um, it's kind of tough for me to tell right now, but I'm going to go get your pick. I think Ole Miss squeaks out in Auburn Arena. I think it's going to be another frustrating loss about if Auburn does this better, or Auburn does that better. Auburn walks out of the arena victorious. For some reason, I just can't see that happening. When we return on the scoreboard, we're going to talk about the landscape of SEC basketball, as we already alluded to. Lots of parody. Who is good in the SEC? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. And welcome back. This is the scoreboard WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming to me and Jacob live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back to the show. Half hour mark here at the radio station, Bay Marks. And Jacob, going to talk some SEC basketball standings as a whole. Um, Like we were mentioning before the break, Auburn basketball facing off against Ole Miss this Saturday. Several other games on the docket for Saturday's matchups. But SEC as a whole this year, very, um, what's the word we're looking for? Upside down. 
I would say so because I feel like the SEC the last few years has been one of the better conferences in the country. And this year it's not. The Big 12 is the clear front runner. Big 10 is number two. And then you got the SEC. ACC, for once, is not incredibly Insane. good. These Duke and North Carolina are down. Even Virginia is not anything special. It's weird. I'm not, not going to talk about the Pac-12. Pac-12 is number five. <laughs> but And everything. The SEC, yes, is very upside down. The teams that you thought were going to be com- good coming in haven't been that s- those special teams. Those teams would be LSU, Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky as always. They're kind of in the middle of the pack. The top four in the SEC standings right now is Alabama at 10-0, Missouri at 5-3, Arkansas at 6-4, and, and Florida at 6-4. and four. Alabama is clear-cut the number one team in the SEC, and it shows with all the bracketology. They're number one seed right now, especially and, with, with Houston's loss last night. Yeah. They've moved up. And with Villanova. Villanova's been slipping. So the big thing, too, is also – and that actually comes as a shock because, you know – they play in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They lose to Oklahoma, who Oklahoma immediately goes from the 24th rank in the AP poll, moves all the way up to one spot in front of Bama, I think at number nine or eight. They move up one spot in front of the Crimson Tide, and Bama still finishes the week one and one and gets, still gets moved up in the bracketology, which is insane. But regardless, like you said, clean cut, Alabama is the best team in the SEC this year, which I do say with a taste of vinegar in my mouth because it's very weird to say. Alabama traditionally has been one of the better teams of basketball. They thought they would be with Avery Johnson, and now in only year two, um, Nate Oates has turned the program around. I think that's also to help the Avery Johnson senior class that's there right now with Herb Jones, John Petty, and Alex Reese. Um, but regardless, Nate Oates has turned that program around quick. Yeah, we talked about it earlier this year. Just, I was talking about how I, I love Nate Oates because the way he coaches, the way he really he, – he really We just, don't love him as much as Bruce. Right. But Bruce is number one. Yes. Number one in my heart. But – Nate Oates is just awesome. He he's he's he speaks his mind. His energizer buddy. He is, and he 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 coaches how his team wants him to coach. In a way, he is a player's coach. And, uh, okay, John Petty would disagree. disagree. Okay, but the thing is, he is really putting this Alabama team and program on a projectile up. I think they've really bought into you know, his game plan, his philosophy. But to credit to him, he's also built his game plan specifically around this team. He knows that they can run fast, they can play fast. He knows that they're long and very lengthy. Um, And then when you have one of the best defenders in the nation, Herb Jones, on your defensive side of the ball, it doesn't get much better than that. So, and it really seems like when one guy slips, it's next man up. Kind of like that mentality Auburn's, Auburn's had the past few years. When Jared Harper wouldn't step up, it was Bryce Brown. When Bryce wouldn't step up, it was Chumo Kiki or Anthony McElmore. Um... So I I really think he's kind of going to turn them around for a very long time, for which sure. kind of stinks. So I mean, it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be fun, but I mean, think about next year. It was also fun knowing year. we'd win think every year. Think about this. Think about this next year. No, because like, you think Shreve's gone next year. Still could be a top ten matchup. Hey, that would be awesome. It Auburn's going to be a top five team if they have Shreve. They will be. But looking elsewhere in the SEC, teams that projected this is according to TeamRankings.com. They're thinking six bids. Missouri, oh, this is Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, with South Carolina, and Kentucky on the outside looking in. South Carolina and Kentucky on the outside looking in. Yes. Wow. I don't think they're – I think those six teams that are in according to this are the only teams with a good chance of getting in. You could even argue 
a few of those teams being on the bubble. To be fair, to, yeah, you're right. I, according to Joey Joe Lenardi, LSU, Arkansas are on the bubble. Yeah, I would I'd agree those are my two teams that are on the bubble. Tennessee, Florida, and Missouri, I kind of think they're, they're in right now. And then Arkansas and LSU, they've, they've got to get a few more wins. They do. And, and the thing is, is with the SEC beating up on each other so much, that it, it's so difficult. And, of course, you got to look at all the net rankings and everything like that, and that's where it gets a little crazy with college basketball. But I do think that the SEC tournament is so much more important this year than it has been in previous years. Oh, yeah. With everything going on, 100%. And, of course, Auburn <laughs> makes it a little crazy by not playing in it. So you're going to have 13 teams, and that, that 11th team is going to get a bye when they usually don't. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, when one team takes them out, it kind of flips the landscape of what it's going to look like. So, And that'll feel weird. It'll feel weird watching the SEC tournament, tournament not looking to see what time Auburn plays and looking to see who they're playing. But, I mean, I, I think you really never know what's going to happen. It's just like Auburn a few years ago when Auburn won the regular season SEC title, goes into the SEC tournament, gets a first-round bye, and then gets beat by Colin Sexton and Avery Johnson. So, And then that sets them up to skip by round one and then get demolished round two. I really think the SEC this year, like you said, they're not as good as they've been in previous years. Bama's kind of holding the load on their back of the of the weight of the rest of the SEC this year, trying to hold that resume up. Because, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. The only reason Kentucky's on the bubble, like you just mentioned, is because it's Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, you're right. They are a talented team. They're just not well put. I mean, I think if they went on a roll and they won, I won't say the rest of their games, but if they, if they, if they won most of the rest of their games, I think they'd have a chance. Like, and it all depends on the SEC tournament. Because Kentucky goes in and makes it to the final, they're going to have a good chance as long as they don't lose the rest of their games. No, I mean, so. I agree. And I mean, John Kyle Perry, I mean, you never know. Next year or the year after when these guys have some experience, because they're pretty young too, they they could be deadly. Because B.J. Boston young. will leave. So, I don't know what to think of the SEC this year. Like, if, I, if you were to ask me to rank these teams after Alabama, couldn't do it. The only, the only order I could see you putting those in would be Missouri – I'd say Missouri, and then Tennessee. I think after Tennessee. that, it's, it's just a whole mess. I'd say Missouri and then Tennessee, and then after that would probably be LSU, Florida, then Arkansas. See, and but hard. they're all so even, though. It's it's just hard for me to put Tennessee that high after the loss of Ole Miss. They had a bad that loss. Was a, that was a bad loss. They did. They scored 50 points. Yeah. And then... They did play well against Kansas, though. They you have did. to give them that. And then it's just... LSU, Florida, and Arkansas, they've all had their, their mishaps. LSU giving up 23 threes to Alabama. And getting beat down, and they did not—they did not impress last night against Alabama on the road. No, I don't know. It's—it's it's weird, and it's just like everything that happened in 2020. It's weird and it's different. So, hopefully, in the 21, 20, 2022 season, um, SEC play will be back to normal. But I think your analysis earlier about the Power Five conference where everybody falls—I think that was probably about as accurate as it gets. Because Big Twelve, you got Kansas and Baylor. And then you have Oklahoma, who's been a good team. Texas. Kansas, Texas, yeah. And Texas Tech, you know, you have all these decent teams. Big Ten, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan's really good. Illinois. Illinois is really Iowa. good this year. Iowa. Okay, think about it. Big Ten might be better than Big 12. I don't, dude. I'd take Big 12 this year. Like, if you were to put them two teams or put those two conferences together in a tournament. Let's see. I don't know. I, I see. 
because Big Ten's best team is Michigan, and I would take Baylor over Michigan. They'd probably put Texas up against, I don't know, Ohio State. I would take that game as well. Right now, ranked Big Ten has one, two, three, four, five, six teams ranked. Big 12 has one, two, three, four, five, six. It's very competitive. I, I just think with Baylor, they have, a, they have a slight competitive edge. But after that, it's, it's kind of put them where you want with the SEC and ACC, and then you have Pac-12 falling behind. So For sure. I don't know, man. I'm just, ugh, I'm ready for Marshall, Pac Jungle. March will be and, fun. Hey, yeah, at least they're having a tournament. I would say, I think it'll be fun in their own little bubble they're having in Indiana, in Indiana, most of the Indianapolis area. And isn't it crazy to think, though, that the chance of North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky can all miss out on the tournament this yeah, year? Yeah, let's see what Joe Lenardi, let's see if he has North Carolina in because I think they're the best chance. He, they, he has them at a nine seed. Okay. They're, they're doing pretty good right now, but. He does not have Duke or Kentucky in. I don't blame him. He has I mean, Duke as next four. He is they are the eighth team out, and Kentucky's just nowhere to be found. Yeah, but, but even even the chance of thinking that is crazy. Because I mean, last year North Carolina wouldn't have made the tournament. Um, I think Duke would have, and Kentucky Duke, would have. Um, I don't know. Auburn broke North Carolina <laughs> in everything. Yeah, they didn't get a chance to break them in football, but it's okay. Ugh. Here's the thing. It's like that stat a few weeks ago when it was like, this is the first time since 1961 that Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky have not been ranked. It's a, it's a weird season in college basketball, and I think it's only going to get weirder from here. Yeah, I think the bubble will be interesting to see, especially with how the NBA has already handled a bubble of their own, and now it's at the collegiate level. Who knows? All right, folks. Ten the scoreboard on today on the other side of the break. Jacob Hillman and myself, Bay Marks. We're going to break down Auburn's recruiting class. That's right. Yesterday was National Signing Day. Brand new Auburn coaching staff had to get a brand new D-line coach in the process as well from our last live show. And we're going to discuss National Signing Day and Auburn's recruits. Don't go anywhere. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WGLFM.com, this is the scoreboard. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. I thought Jacob was going to bring it back, but I'll bring it back for the last Sorry, segment. I was just enjoying the music too much. Hey, it's a great song. We'll let you close it out, though. <laughs> We're going to talk about Auburn's recruiting class, like we alluded to over the break. Um, new coaching staff kind of halted Auburn's recruiting efforts as Gus Malzahn was let go right before the early signing period, where Auburn did sign a few early enrollees. Um, but regardless, Brian Harson and his brand new staff got to work on the recruiting trail and finished out with some few key ads. Um, nothing special, a, f- a few three, four stars, nothing above a light four star. Um, but regardless, Auburn does finish their recruiting class. And probably the most notable ones are grad transfer uh, from Northwestern. I'm pulling it up right now, so I need to find the name. But Auburn did get a grad transfer from Northwestern on the D-line, which will give a lot of balance. That's right. That is the... I think that's the guy of this class. He's not as big, but he's I, I shouldn't quick. say of this class. I should say of yesterday. Yes, because they're their quote from Brian Harson, we're not done. So maybe he'll get one or two more. I mean, this isn't really th- before we even get into this, folks, this isn't the class you should focus on. The next year's class is right. the first true class of the Brian Harson era. So Harson's kind of dealing with what he can right now. To be fair, they finished a lot better than I thought they would. To be fair, I was kind of hoping for another four-star or two, but it's okay. I'm I, not going to give him too much crap. I was going to say, I just think that 
after everything went down in December, I was not expecting anything crazy out of this recruiting class. But I think they're in the top 30 now. And I think that's pretty solid for this Auburn team coming off what they came off of. Let's see. In the SEC, they're 11th. So did Iku Luota was just like, you know what, I'm going to beat y'all in a bowl game and I'm just going to go drive down to the Plains, meet you there? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he's got more sacks on the roster, or he has more career sacks than anyone else on the roster. Even more than Chandler uh, Wooden? Mm-hmm. Not Chandler Wooden. Um, Colby Wooden. Yep. He and does. Tyron Truesdale? Yep. Because Tyron Truesdale might be coming back, folks. Keep keep your hands locked. Leota is he, he's a very good player. He's kind of that edge guy. He's going to be put in Big Cat Bryant's position. So Hey, and he he's not off the team right now either. I mean, there's a slight— I mean, is he? Who, who knows? He was supposed to go to Tennessee, and then they ran out of McDonald's bags. Tennessee messed everything up for everyone. That Tennessee was, was the Thanos snap of the SEC. It really was. That's, so, not, that's not crazy to say. But, but I think another big one of this recruiting class who— I don't think we've even talked about him so far. Was Demetrius Davis, six foot, one ninety five, freshman quarterback from Texas, won multiple state titles, was on another run this year to win another state title. I mean, he was being compared to Kyler Murray numbers and winning record in Texas. I mean, Texas high school football, folks. Technically, it's like Division two or Division three college football. But, I mean, I mean, base if you're comparing it to college football, it's the SEC of high school football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he had a teammate sign with Texas A&M the same day he signed in the early signing period. So, And he was somebody that Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris recruited in the previous coaching staff, and he stuck out his commitment. Um, it's safe to say, unless Auburn signs the next Cam Newton or crazy recruit, that he'll be the successor to Bo Nix in two years if he sticks with the team. Well, especially with Gunner, losing out on Gunnar Stockton. Yes, Gunnar Stockton uh, decommit from South Carolina after Mike Bobo left, and he was – it was presumed he would head to the Plains. Georgia snagged him, and I think it's because Will Muschamp is now on staff. Can't blame him. Uh, wish him nothing but the best, even though it is the dogs. Um, but no, back to Demetrius Davis. He, how do I put this with all due respect to Nick Marshall? Although he is shorter than Nick Marshall. They're calling him Thick Marshall. Thick Marshall? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, is a, he is a stronger and better thrower than Nick Marshall. Than when Nick Marshall came in. Yes. Nick Marshall was good at short and intermediate passing game, but was known for his running. While Demetrius Davis can run, he's still very quick, but his arm strength, man, I mean, he he could play baseball if he wanted to and play center mm-hmm. field. He could. He uh, he was a track and field letterman. He did not play baseball. But, nah, this guy, he he's something special because he does like, he loves Auburn. He he, he was committed even after Cause they were asking was him. on was, was canned. They were asking him, and yeah. Carson came in and locked him in. And, yeah, everything you said about his high school days, they're exactly right. Comparing him to Kyler Murray, that's what's incredible. Yeah. Kyler Murray was highly regarded as one of, if not the best, Texas high school quarterback of all time. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying Davis is, but his stats compared to him. They do. And he's going to be probably the brightest star of this class if it's not Lee Hunter. Uh, Lee Hunter is a defensive tackle, six foot five. 300 pounds, so let me remind you folks, that is nearly identical physical stature as a one player named Derek Brown came into Auburn with. Keep an eye on that. Uh, He (laughs) recorded 54 tackles, 20 tackles for a loss, and nearly five sacks as a senior. And Listen to this. (laughs) I'm reading this too. (laughs) Also scored a rushing and receiving touchdown and had nine catches for 149 yards. 
as a junior. So could put him in, in the tight end. You know how Bama ran the uh, play against Clemson in the playoff a few years ago? What was his name? I, I'm, I'm envisioning it. He's 94. Payne? Not Alan Payne. Deron Payne. Deron Payne, yes. Um, so we Auburn could use him for that. But uh, <laughs> and, and the reason why he's so big, folks, he comes out of Mobile. Not only was he rated in some class as some classes as a five star, and he ranks number seven among def- the defensive tackle position by ESPN and twenty four seven Sports. He was flirting so hard with going to Florida State and Florida and Georgia and all these other schools, and somehow, yeah, through a coaching change, Auburn sticks it out. No, I absolutely thought that. I mean, even before <laughs> all of that went down. Oh no, yeah, I was thinking this he's going to transfer. This guy and, might actually decommit and go elsewhere but hey like like i said he held strong i i'm gonna be honest his profile picture on twitter was him in a forwarded state jersey for the past like four or five it months was. that's what was, it was sent so it, weird. i sent it in our group chat i was like guys i was like this guy is definitely decommitting i was like and, be ready and like that's that's just people reading too much into recruiting sorry no i'm not saying that's like oh, our, trust me i thought the same thing i'm gonna give carter bird a shout out. that's like carter bird when it was signing day he said um like, you know how the recruits put the hats in front of him? And he's like, hat science says he's picking North Carolina. And the dude picked North Carolina, yeah. I think. So I mean, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's almost as crazy as tracking planes with coaches. Hey, coaching we searches. were completely wrong about the night that he got hired. That was way off. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just, that was, I don't even know who it was. But that's not the point. Back to recruiting. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. Do you have a specific person or two um, in this class so far that Auburn has signed that you think is a sleeper that could have a very big impact? I know you said you like the safeties that signed. It's the defensive back that was committed to South Alabama. You know who the last three-star defensive back I knew that was committed to South Alabama? It was Roger. And Roger I, knew that, I knew that before Ferg tweeted it, which is interesting. This is this guy. I think it's Caden Bridges. It See, is. The, he, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. And then, and then you also have... Oh, wait, no, it's not Caden Bridges. Is it Colby Smith? Uh, no, that's offensive tackle. No, it's Kamal Haddon. No, it's not Kamal Haddon. He, golly, man. Hold on. Give me a second. It's not Jawan Gaston. Jawan Gaston, it is him. It is? Okay. He he attended Carver High School in Montgomery, and he, he scored six touchdowns, three on returns at Carver last year. So that could be a contender for the kick return and punt return position that's open now. But, yeah, he was committed to – to South Alabama, and then now here he is at Auburn, and I think he could really make an impact because that safety position is kind of it, it's kind of open. Besides Smoke Monday, yeah, and I don't I don't disagree with that, and I I would say there's other few people like Colby Smith who Auburn signed yesterday, six eight three hundred twenty pound offensive tackle that can make an impact, or even Joko Willis, who's a six three two hundred fifteen pound freshman linebacker, and this is kind of a hot take. With all the tight ends and Auburn's tight end room, but Landon King out of Texas, 6'5, 220. He had 39 receptions for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns as a senior. He was first team all district as a junior with 53 catches, almost 1,000 yards, and nine touchdowns. He was ranked in the top 10, top 10 of the tight ends nationally by ESPN, and he was a top 50 player in the state of Texas. And he played basketball. So Here's the thing. he's going to bring an athletic tight end to Auburn's tight end room. I think this class overall is good. I think it's good. I, 
I think it is. For it's for good for what yes, for the for situation, situation, that's what you're missing. I think they're doing I think they did a good job. Not good overall, but for the situation it's decent. Because here's the thing. The but, only the only issue I have is there only being two offensive tackles. That was a big need for Auburn. But like there's still plenty of time. I was about to say that and that was what Harson said was running back, which Devin Barrett's moving back to running back. Thank God I loved him at running back. An offensive tackle, and I believe it was uh, defensive back, was the three biggest positions Auburn was going to focus on for the rest of the signing period. Lots of transfers to look after. Don't really have any names to think about right now, Mm -mm. but just keep an eye out because Auburn will be getting some transfers in, whether that's on the offensive line, in the backfield, wherever it is. There's going to be lots of guys transferring from programs following this COVID year, leading into who knows what. They might be coming to Auburn. And look out for next year's recruiting class. That really is the first full recruiting cycle that Harson and his staff will have been here for. 2022 will be extremely important. But that's going to do it for us on the scoreboard today. Talked Super Bowl, Auburn basketball, SEC basketball, and just wrapped up Auburn recruiting. We'll see you next Thursday at 4 o'clock. Listen to the podcast right after this. Thank you for tuning in on Weagle 91.1 FM. This has been The Scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.